Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So I really did find my spatula in my lilac bush on, on Friday morning. And when I did, I, I actually thought of you guys. I thought of you guys because, well, when I found my, my, my flipper, my grill flipper in the lilac bush, it, it, wasn't exactly, it wasn't exactly the best day before or the, that morning. In fact, it had been a really crazy 14 hours or so. You see, I found this spatula in the lilac bush after cleaning up about a million glass shards from the patio table that got blown over in the wind and just shattered. And I had to clean all that up. But, but I didn't know or think of putting that glass tabletop away during the storms because I was pretty tired from the night before um, and didn't really think to put it away even though I guess I thought storms might have been coming um, because I, well Caleb and I we didn't go to bed until midnight because we were having pizza and and watching an episode of, of Pokemon um, but but we're not normally up until until midnight uh, we, we just happened to get back from the emergency room um, at about 11:30 or, or 11 that night and um, and yeah, so, so we got back from the emergency room because, um, um, well, there was an accident earlier that day. And, and, um, but I, I didn't go to the emergency room right away because I had promised some neighbors of ours, some, some friends of, of our, our kids, that I was going to cook them some hamburgers. And, and so I was cooking hamburgers and, and all this while, while Caleb was sleeping in his bedroom. Uh, because you see, Caleb, he was pretty tired from the pain that he was in from breaking his wrist. But I had to grill the hamburgers, so and I didn't really know if we needed to go to the emergency room or not. So he was sleeping, and and he had a, a broken wrist this whole time. And and well, he broke his wrist, of course, because that's what happens when you are getting splashed by your friends, and you take a step back and trip and smack your wrist. On the, on the fire pit ring. Don't worry, there's no fire in it. There are no children running around the fire um, because, uh, well, that's, that's what you do. You splash your friends with the water when the pool is deflated, right? Yeah. That's about how that 14 hours went. And, and, and the, the one who keeps our whole house together, she wasn't even there. She was traveling somewhere. So, I, yeah, that Father's Day present is going to be amazing today. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. So this is a reminder to me that things don't always go the way you think they should go. They don't always happen the way you want things to happen. And when I found this in the lilac bush, it just made me chuckle. It kind of made me laugh. Normally, after a series of events like that, I wouldn't be so quick to laugh and chuckle. I'd probably kind of crabby and 
well, you guys know me. You, you know how it would be after something like that. And, but I had something that I had been studying that really helped me. And it's, and it's what made me think of, of you guys because I thought, well, if, if what I was studying in preparation for today was so helpful for me on Friday morning when I'm picking up the mess and wondering how my son is with his broken wrist, I wonder maybe you could use some uplifting news too. Where, where God, the Holy Spirit, gives you the reassurance that even when things can go differently than what you're hoping for, or maybe there are some things that bring a, a little bit of sadness, you have a reminder from God of the hope that we have and the promises that he gives to us. And that's what we have in our lesson for this morning from Ephesians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul really, in, in a series of, it's really only two or three sentences in the Greek, he, he's really just super excited and filled with praise for, for what God has done among the Ephesians, that he really can't, he can't help himself. And he's pouring out his heart of thanks to God for, for the Ephesian congregation, for all the blessings that he had given them, and gives them a reminder of the hope and the power of God that they have. And so Paul writes in this letter to the Ephesians, he starts it out this way. He says, this is why. I'm going to pause right there for a second because right there, those three words, this is why, you could have an entire sermon on just those three words. Because the reason Paul says this is why is because he had just got done reminding the Ephesians of everything that God had done for them. How God had, re how God had elected them from eternity and had redeemed them through the blood of Jesus, his son, and had sealed them in their faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, heaven is open to them. The promise of eternal life is theirs and is guaranteed to them by the Holy Spirit. This is why, Paul says, this is why ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. Paul had fond memories of this Ephesian congregation. He had served them for three years. And, and by the time he wrote this letter, he had probably been gone about five or six years. Uh, but he was thinking about them again and praying for them. And, and so many of his prayers for them were prayers of thanksgiving. Because he had seen with his own eyes and he had heard from other people while he was gone that their faith in Christ was alive and well. And their love, evidence of their faith, was being displayed. And Paul heard about that. And that's another reason why I was thinking about you guys when I found my flipper in the lilac bush. Because I remember your love. And I've heard of your love, even, even in my absence. 
I, I, I left it out in the truck, and I, and I hope I don't em, embarrass her. I won't say her name, but it's Rachel. Um, when, uh, <laughs> when, when, when I left here, uh, she had given me an envelope with a story in it about a goose on the roof. Crazy. But I really did see a goose on the apartment roofs. And I, and I told Rachel one time, Rachel, you ought to write a story about a goose on a roof and other things that don't rhyme. And she did. <laughs> she did. I couldn't believe it. She handed it to me. And why would she do that? She would do that because of the love that's in her heart, emulated for her by her family and, and emulated in this congregation. It's not just her that has shown love over the years. All of you have shown love in, in remarkable ways and have continued to show that love just as the Ephesians did. Continuing to show that love by trying to reach out to the community and invite them here to come and hear the promises of God. The, the love that you show when you, when you keep worship at the cross going and, and continue to host soccer camps here on campus so that little children and their families can be welcomed on campus to hear of the forgiveness of Jesus won for us by his suffering and death on the cross. The love and the faith that Paul was so thankful for for the Ephesian congregation is, is something that filled my heart too when I thought of you guys and, and, and prayed about you guys. But we know, we know that not everything always goes the way we dream it goes. And I, and I think that it's fair to say that that's really what brings me here today. Yeah? Years ago, back in 1975, I think it was, when this congregation was, was founded, uh, it, was, it was started in the Caledonia Community Center. Some of you may probably remember that. And, and when it first started, you had dreams of of reaching out into the community in Crestview and Caledonia and, and sharing the gospel with them and, and dreams of growing the church into a, a large church where more and more people can hear the gospel. And, and just a few short years later, you built the first building here on this campus, having five and a half or so acres where, where Lord willing, your dreams were, your prayers were, that the congregation would grow and expand and wow, maybe even have a school on this campus someday as a part of New Hope Lutheran Church. But those dreams, those dreams are, are changing a little bit. They're, they're not coming to fruition, maybe the way that you had, you had hoped so long ago. And things are different. And that might bring... A, a, a reminder of a little bit of sadness maybe? A little bit of frustration? Yeah, it's not to say that you're not behind the, the, the merging of two congregations into one congregation with two campuses and, and I know you're behind that and, and supportive of that and are going to put all of your, your energy and effort into it. But whenever you say goodbye to something, whenever you close something, when, when something like New Hope Lutheran Church comes to an end, it's a, there's a part of you that, that might feel some, some sadness. And 
And Paul realized that sort of thing when he was talking to the Ephesian congregation. He had nothing but thanks and praise for them. But he knew that it wasn't always going to be great. He knew that there would be things that would trouble them. And he knew that there were already things in their life that troubled them and could cause them to be down and out and frustrated. Because just like finding a flipper in the lilac bush is a reminder that we're not in heaven yet, so the Ephesians would have that reminder too. And so then Paul goes on in his letter, giving them reason after reason after reason that no matter what comes our way in this world, it's going to be okay. This is what Paul says. I keep praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Christ fully. So right there, if I can, if I can simplify Paul's, Paul's elaborate words a little bit, he's saying, I want you to know God more. I want you to have a deeper knowledge, a general knowledge of, of who God is and all that God has done for you. That he is your creator, your redeemer, your sanctifier. He is your life, your light, your hope. He has done everything to rescue you from all of your sins. And more and more and more, Paul wanted the Ephesians to be filled with that knowledge. But then Paul gets a little bit more specific. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which he has called you, just how rich his glorious inheritance among the saints is, and just how surpassingly great his power is for us who believe. So again, if I can simplify what Paul is saying, he's, he's praying for three things. He's praying that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. That, that means he's praying that their entire being, their emotions, their will, their desires, and the actions that flow from that may be so governed and gilded by God's promises that it has a complete transformation of their entire lives, their attitudes, their emotions, their actions. And how will that happen? These three ways. They're given this knowledge of the hope to which God has called them. They're given knowledge of the rich, glorious inheritance that is theirs among the saints. And third, that they're given a reminder of the surpassingly great power that is at work for them who believe. Well, what does that mean? What is this hope that God gives us? Well, I think this hope is a big reason why this congregation years ago was named New Hope. Because that's what we need. But that's what we have. You see, when God speaks of hope, it's not a hope like, boy, I hope it rains today so we can water our lawns and so the farmers can, can grow their crops. 
No, it's, it's a hope like, boy, I hope Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. <laughs> well, did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus die on the cross? Yes, he did, of course. It's certain. It's a fact. It's guaranteed that that's what happened. And that's what we have in Christ. We were called to that hope. In eternity, God chose you to be his own and to live among him and to, to serve him in his kingdom. And in time, he brought you to faith. He brought you to faith in his son Jesus who died on the cross for your sins and who rose again to guarantee it, and who then went back to heaven to rule over everything for your good and to prepare a place for you in heaven, a place to which he has called you. Paul wants the Ephesians, God wants us to be reminded of that sure and certain hope that we have. And that hope brings with it the next thing that Paul mentioned, that the riches of that glorious inheritance. I'd like you to think for a moment of the best of the best of the best day you have ever had in your life. Was it the day you held your first child in your arms? Was it the day you got married? Was it the day you got the present you were really hoping for? Was it the day that you went on that expensive vacation that you had been saving for for years and you finally got to go and it was everything you dreamed of and more? Guess what? God promises that being in heaven with him is better than all of that. In fact, all of those things combined don't even come close the glorious inheritance that we have waiting for us in heaven, the inheritance that is already ours, that gift that we didn't earn, that God just says, here, I want to give this to you because I love you, because I want you to be with me forever. That's amazing. And, and that's another thing that the Apostle Paul wanted the Ephesians to remember that not only do they have that eternal hope, but they have that glorious inheritance waiting for them, along with all the saints. And along with that, we have God's power. The Apostle Paul says, he wants us to know just how surpassingly great his power is for us who believe. Because we didn't always believe. We weren't always Christians. And God will tell you, it wasn't easy to make you a Christian. It was not easy to bring you to faith. He had to exercise his power in order to do that. But he did. And that's amazing too. The same power that God exerted to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that, Jesus, that God used to bring you to spiritual life. 
the same power that God used and exerted to seat His Son at His right hand in heaven is the same power that God is using in your life right now to make sure all things work out for your eternal good. There is no title, no authority, no force of nature. There is nothing, nothing that has more power and authority than Jesus Christ. And what is he using that power and authority for? He's using it for you. Because he loves you. And that's incredible. Because you know we don't deserve it. We know that as, as many reminders that we have in this world that we are not in heaven yet, we contribute to that as well. We make plans that maybe we, we don't intend to keep or, or we make a promise that we have no intention of, of fulfilling. Or, or we do, but because of our weaknesses, we may fail. We know that we don't deserve the love of God. We know that we've done things in our lives that, that should cause us to be separated from God forever. But you see, that's not what God wanted. And so God did everything He needed to do to bring us to be with Him, not only now by faith, but forever in His presence by His power. So that's why we know it's all good. It's going to be okay. These plans that you've made to merge two congregations into one, I, I know it wasn't your initial dream when this church was started. But that's okay. Because just as God blessed this congregation and the word and the sacraments that were administered so far, he will continue to do that. God's church will never go away. There will always be people who, who He brings to faith through the gospel. And many of those people will be people that are brought to faith right here. People brought to faith in the waters of baptism. Strengthened in their faith through the word and in the sacraments. Because that's what God promises. And so no matter what comes of the future, maybe the plans that you've set in place don't pan out. Maybe it gets tougher. But either way, it's all good. And it's going to be okay. Because God promises you His hope. And He promises you the inheritance of heaven. And He promises you that he's using his power for your eternal good. So on those days when you have your own version of finding the flipper in a lilac bush, I want you to think back to the promises here. The promises of God's love, his forgiveness in Christ, his hope of heaven, and his power in your lives. May God be with us. May God be with water of life. May God be with all of you.
Thank you, God. This changes everything. And it's going to be so good. Amen.